Everybody, what follows was first broadcast in July 2015, right after the death of Alex Rocco. Hey, did you hear something? No. Hmm. Did I? I don't know. Just like that, it's Simpsons time. Oh, gosh. All the different things that happen on this show, it boggles the mind. It's, it makes your head spin. <sighs> well, so... I know we've got a lot of itchy and scratchy fans among us listening out there, uh, and you may or may not have heard that Alex Rocco passed away a few days ago. Great actor, uh, you could call him a character actor or just a plain actor. I mean, not that any character actor isn't an actor. <laughs> um, and he was the genius who gave voice to Roger Myers Jr., the head of the cartoon studio uh, that memorably ran up against Marge in Itchy and Scratchy and Marge uh, and ran up against Krusty and Co. in uh, Itchy and Scratchy and Poochie. And in... The episode I'm going to talk about now, The Day the Violence Died, had a whole kerfuffle with Bart and Lisa and Chester J. Lampwick, a genius bum, voiced by the one and only Kirk Douglas. <laughs> um... Myers appears in other episodes voiced by other people. Uh, there are a couple of um, smaller appearances where he doesn't run through the entire episode where either Hank Zaria or Dan Castellaneta does his voice. Um, but the three big ones are the ones that I just mentioned. And they are just amazing. And Alex Rocco did, like... A really lovely job you know he's he has a very scratchy and mad and dismissive voice and he's really perfect to be this cartoon executive who doesn't really care about anything but the bottom line um, although in the day the violence died there's a wonderful moment of acting where he goes I hope you're happy kid you just killed it and scratchy and and uh he sounds like he's crying, you know, so that's sort of like the only time that his icy heart breaks or whatever. Um, and then we also see him very down on his luck in a motel uh, that offers sheet rental uh, when Bart and Lisa go to visit him contritely a little bit later. 
you know, and you see him in his undershirt <laughs> sitting um, behind two boxes instead of behind a desk with his father's frozen head in a cooler. You don't see the head, but you see the cooler flop around like there's a, something alive in it. Um, yeah, I just think he, he did a really wonderful job in that show on those three episodes. Um, I'll never forget the, in Itchy and Scratchy and Poochie, when he confronts the kids through the glass, the focus group of kids, and, and says, that's why you're still kids, because you're stupid. <laughs> it's like he's choking on the words. Um, and at the end of the day the violence died, um, which, by the way, is the one I'm talking about now, not all these other ones that I keep digressing to. Um, and he's, like, waxing eloquent about Lester and Eliza. He says, there's one little boy who took it on himself to, uh, to save Itchy and Scratchy. And I don't know, every time I hear that line, it's like, what? Took it on himself? That can't be what was written. I think he just ad-libbed that. So this is a really cool episode, written by John Swartzwelder, one of the weirder people on The Simpsons staff, and that is saying something. Also one of the more brilliant, and one of the writers whose style uh, really gives The Simpsons its unique flair. Um, I listened to the DVD commentary last night of showrunners Bill Oakley and Josh Weinstein, and they said that an example of something that is extremely, the term is Swartzweldian, uh, is when Chester J. Lampwick is installed in the basement uh, and you just see Homer walking by the door. Chester goes, hey, got any spare change? And Homer, without looking, just tosses change down the stairs. Um, that is an example, apparently, of... Swartzwelder's brand of humor. Um, I would guess, although they didn't say this, that another example would be in the courtroom scene that happens shortly thereafter when Lionel Hutz calls in all of his surprise witnesses and a couple of them are uh, Santa Claus with a broken leg on crutches um, and... Billy and Bobby McCrady, the world's fattest twins, uh, on their matching motorcycles. So yeah, it's bizarre, it's madcap, it plays with the reality of The Simpsons because Lester and Eliza show up at the end, um, and they are drawn in a different style than The Simpsons. Like, they don't belong in the universe of The Simpsons, which is just nuts. You know, I think, uh, except for the critic, uh, you know, when they have the critic crossover episode, you never see characters that are drawn in a totally different style interacting in their universe. 
Uh, and there's also all of the great references to other styles of animation with the old-timey film that Chester shows Bart and Lisa that immediately burns. Um, and also the cartoon that's chosen to replace Itchy and Scratchy after the studio goes bankrupt temporarily, uh, which is a very close parody of Schoolhouse Rock. And I would say that this amply lays the groundwork for Itchy and Scratchy and Poochie, which came only one year later. So, I mean, Kirk Douglas is great in this role in a weird Fox TV show. Um... I think it's interesting, though, that uh, Chester was famous for his cartoon and for inventing the concept of cartoon violence back in 1919, which means that by now he's like 100 years old, you know? <laughs> and I'm talking even, you know, by 20 years ago when this episode first came about. Um... And he's uh, made a lot of enemies in that time. <laughs> anyway, it is, it's a very bizarre and very action-packed episode uh, with a lot of drama. Um, but it manages not to go so far into flights of fancy that it's unbelievable, which is kind of a miracle to me. So the rundown, the plot of the episode, um, for those uninitiated, I've been doing this lately, let me know what you think of it. Um, <laughs> there is an itchy and scratchy parade for their, I guess, diamond jubilee, right? It's their 75th anniversary. Um, Bart and Lisa are watching TV and they find out that they have to wait in line overnight uh, in order to get good spots to see the Itch and Scratchy parade. Um, Homer goes with them reluctantly. Uh, they sneak into the Android's dungeon where the comic book guy... The comic... The, the comic book guy? Uh, <laughs> sorry. Comic book guy is showing um, a bootleg, uh, like, X-rated 70s cartoon based on Fritz the Cat. That is the... Um, itchy and scratchy cult favorite and they watch that and that is really great that's another example of weird animation uh, that they did specially for this show only and they see the parade Bart is mad that he can't see anything because the crowd is so big uh, and so he chases the parade uh, through Bumtown as um, David Brinkley <laughs> says it's a poorly planned parade route that takes it through a dangerous neighborhood full of bums um, and they actually did get Suzanne Summers to play the commentator to play herself but they were not able to get David Brinkley I guess he just he didn't get the joke um, 
so in Bumtown, Bart encounters Chester, who is living there and embittered and uh, throwing tomatoes at the float of Roger Myers Sr., who was his nemesis who stole Itchy and Scratchy from him. Uh, and he explains this to Bart. He shows the 1919 film uh, of Itchy decapitating Teddy Roosevelt and doing several other things um, on the school projector to Barton Milhouse. And um, it's really cool. They, they know that he's going to get his money back and um, be famous once again, but the film immediately burns. And so there is no evidence. So Bart has to let Chester stay with the Simpsons temporarily while he awaits trial. Uh, there is a very funny fist fight that Chester and Grandpa have. I like the way it's animated, the way they're sort of like a ball of fury, uh, like rolling around and punching each other. And the way uh, Grandpa leaps across the table to get at Chester in a bloodthirsty way. Um, there's a trial. At which Bart gets a wonderful idea to buy uh, an animation cell that he had seen before at Comic Book Guy's shop, uh, break the frame of it, and prove that that animation cell from 1919 uh, was actually drawn by Chester Lampwick. And so he wins. Uh, Roger Myers Jr. has to pay him uh, billions of dollars and he bankrupt and that means the studio is bankrupt. Uh, and so then Bart and Lisa are very sad because they love Itchy and Scratchy and they are now on the side of Roger Myers. So they switch teams essentially. Meanwhile, Chester Lampwick with his billions of dollars, has bought a solid gold house and a rocket car and is strutting around in a top hat, kind of like the guy from the board game Monopoly. Uh, Krusty has to replace Itchy and Scratchy with the schoolhouse rock thing. Nobody likes it. Everyone is in really dire straits except for Chester. Um, and Marge gives Bart and Lisa a pep talk uh, doing this thing that I usually just can't stand. Here I hate it just a little bit less um, where she's like, well, you know, you've foiled Sideshow Bob before. You, you reunited Krusty with his estranged father, blah, blah, blah. You can do this. Um... I don't know. For some reason, I don't like when things get so meta like that. But this is, of course, being a show about cartoons allowed to be a little bit meta. So they finally hit upon a solution. Uh, and we never find out what the solution is because when they're biking to the studio to inform Roger the good news, He's already fating and lauding Lester and Eliza 
for discovering uh, that Mr. Zip of the Postal Service is actually just a ripoff of Roger Myers Sr.'s Manic Mailman. Manic Mailman is a callback to something from the trial where that uh, stereotypical big-time lawyer, the guy with the glasses, holds up all these cards of all these uh, characters supposedly invented by uh, Roger Myers Sr., including Flatulent Fox and a Dinner Dog. I think of those Rich Uncle Skeleton is my favorite, but they're all pretty good. Anyway, so Lester and Eliza save the day instead of Bart and Lisa, and that is very ominous, and we end with a smash pan of Lester skateboarding by Bart's house, and you see the, the interior of the house move at a different speed than the house itself, with ominous music playing in the background. Um, yeah, I don't know. I Hats off to Alex Rocco and his great, very long career that included many appearances, not just on The Simpsons, but this is the one that we are focusing on. Um, I'll end by saying his monologue in the courtroom scene where he's uh, digging himself deeper and deeper into the hole, saying all of cartooning is, is plagiarized, you know, is very true. Uh, and... I think a really funny sentiment saying that Yogi Bear is based on Art Carney <laughs> and Fred Flintstone is based on Jackie Gleason, etc. This has been Simpsons Time. Thank you for listening. We're done for this week, at least. That was an entertaining time capsule from 2015, Amanda, and 2017, Amanda. Enjoyed it very much. As usual, as I'm replaying it, I'm noticing errors that I made and becoming self-conscious about things that I said. For example, I don't know where I got the term smash pan. It sounds wrong to me. And I'm too embarrassed to even look it up to see if it's right or not. Um, and also, of course, there are other examples in The Simpsons of cartoon characters drawn in different styles interacting with people in Springfield. Uh, the Monopoly Man himself, for example, is one example of those examples he appears and uh, another one I can think of is at one point Mr. Peabody and Sherman are there just right in the action of our Springfieldian world anyway you can't always get everything perfect I guess thank you for listening to Simpsons Time Through the Debigulator a podcast brought to you by WFMU and by me, Amanda Nazario, and uh, sort of by Nazario Scenario, the other radio show that I do. If you would like to listen to that larger 
music focused mostly radio show uh you can go to wfmu.org slash playlists slash an and all the playlists will be there i'll talk to you next week have a good week everybody